This is Civics 101. I'm Nick Capodice, and today we're bringing you a special bonus episode, the latest edition in our series, Civics at the Movies. And we are once again taking on a movie that puts on full display the fun that can happen when the government and its most revered institutions are put on the big screen in all of their glory. And joining me once again to delve into Civics at the Movies is our producer, Jackie Fulton. Hey, Nick. Jackie, what movie are we going to be talking about today? One of my all-time favorite movies about the government, National Treasure. Benjamin Franklin Gates, you are undertaking the duty of the family Gates to find the most spectacular treasure in history. Jackie, it fills my heart with joy to know that you like this movie so much because I love it too. I love both the National Treasures. I don't even know if I'd have this job if it weren't for National Treasure. A cheesy caper starring Nick Cage waxing poetic about American history? I'm there for it. The Declaration of Independence. You think there is a treasure map on the back of the Declaration of Independence? The map is invisible. Why would we make this up? Where's your proof? We don't have it. So I'm glad to hear that you dug into the veracity of National Treasure. Did you find out if there really is a treasure map on the back of the Declaration of Independence? I sure did, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. First, a little refresher on what exactly is the National Archives. Roll the tape. This building holds and trusts the records of a nation. It is the United States National Archives in Washington, D.C. Here are preserved the documents most cherished by Americans. The Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights, and many other records that explain the institutions and history. Um, when you first come into the building, we have a major exhibit called Records of Rights. In that exhibit, we have a Magna Carta. And then that exhibit explores the history of women's rights, African-American rights, and the immigrants' experience. Um, my name is Jesse Cross, and I am the historian of the National Archives. And I've been with the agency since 1999. We love Jessie Kratz. She is a friend of the show. She's been in a bunch of episodes. That's the one. Jessie does agency history from when the archives were created in 1934 to present day. I do a lot with the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. And actually, the founding period of American history is my favorite. She is really passionate about her job. So I'm really glad that I get to, you know, research and spend time with these historic documents that were created during that period. The movie was perfect because it deals with the Declaration of Independence, one of my favorite documents. Jessie witnessed a national treasure heist with her own eyes. They didn't film in the building, actually, but they did film outside. And I remember, you know, coming to work and seeing them, like, wrapping up their filming. It was really cool. That's awesome. Did you get to see Nick Cage? We actually saw Nick Cage from a distance, not up close, but the filmmakers and Nicholas Cage visited the National Archives and they consulted with a number of staff. So some staff members got to meet him, but I wasn't one of the fortunate ones. (laughs) Did they say like what their impression was? Yeah, well, so they said that Nicholas Cage was actually very nice. And one of the staff members said that there was like a moment where he was pausing in front of the case of the declaration during the visit and sort of getting in the mood to, you know, I guess, psych himself up for deciding to steal the declaration. This is so Nick Cage. I imagine in this moment, he is living 
the character. I think he could have psyched himself up to actually steal our founding document. allowed to film inside the National Archives. There was a lot of filming outside the National Archives, but not within it. Nick, you were a theater major. Do you have any idea why they didn't film in the actual building? I do. You see this all the time. It's common for shows to take place in big, famous buildings. They do all the outside shots on location, but they use a set for the inside so they can control lighting and all that stuff. That makes total sense, especially considering the gunfight scene that takes place in the archives the scene when he has the decoration in the case still and he's holding it up and there's bullets coming at it. (laughs) I can just see some of our staff being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that this is being portrayed in a movie. So they made a replica in California of the rotunda where the the decoration is, you know, housed. And they did a pretty good job of the replica of the rotunda. Like the marbling color is a little off. But otherwise, it's pretty good, except for, and this is such a nitpicky thing. So in the movie, when Gates is quoting from the Declaration of Independence, and this is the moment he decides that he's going to steal it. What? I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. You can see these shots of these alcoves in the background, and there's these statues in them. But in the real rotunda, opposite of the Bill of Rights and the Constitution and the Declaration, there are four alcoves, but they're empty. And they've always been empty. And we don't know, we don't have any surviving records, um, but the architect, he wanted something placed in these. But the building was constructed during the Great Depression. So the Treasury Department decided that it wasn't going to fund these statues. But for some reason, when the filmmakers recreated the rotunda, they put statues (laughs) in these little alcoves. And we don't know why. Something I never really thought about before talking to Jesse is that the precious founding documents haven't been in the archives all that long. The National Archives was created in 1934 to um, make available, preserve, and protect the official records of the federal government. So before that, the records you know, were maintained by um, the various agencies that created them, and then the State Department was in charge of you know, acts of Congress and treaties, and they actually held the Declaration of Independence for many years before it went to the Library of Congress. So when did all the founding documents get to the National Archives? 1952 was the first time that those three documents were able to be on display at the same time, which is pretty cool. I saw a video, a ceremony, where all three documents were being housed together for the first time. Right, this is when President Truman spoke at the ceremony. They will be protected from disaster and from the ravages of time. We're used to seeing these documents carefully guarded in their fancy cases, but they definitely weren't always handled so delicately. Many folks didn't understand the historical value that the documents, like copies of the original Declaration of Independence, the Dunlap broadsides. An estimated 200 original copies were created, but only 26 are still known to exist. The rest were lost to time. And I've seen a copy of one of the Dunlop broadsides at the Independence Museum in Exeter, New Hampshire. That's the one they found that had been stuffed in the floor of an attic with a bunch of cloth and newspaper to use as insulation against the cold. There are some different copies, 
engravings that were done in the early uh, 19th century. Um, and then there were uh, copies, not copies of the document itself, but print, early printings of the decoration. We have a copy ourselves called the Dunlap Broadside. But a lot of people find what they think are original copies in their basement or in their attic. And then they come to us saying, I think we have a copy of the decoration. And we end up sending them to maybe the American Antiquarian Society. And then they tell them that they actually do not have a copy, an original copy. My parents growing up had a facsimile of the Declaration of Independence hanging on our wall for some reason. <laughs> but it was definitely just a copy. A toast, yeah? To high treason. That's what these men were committing when they signed the Declaration. Had we lost the war, they would have been hanged, beheaded, drawn and quartered. It, oh, oh, my personal favorite. Had their entrails cut out and burned. <laughs> the big heist scene in the movie takes place during a black tie fundraising event. So we have a foundation, and they do an annual award, and it's black tie, you know, fancy. But we would never have food and drinks in the rotunda if the documents were on display. No giant ice sculpture would be on display if the documents were outside of their vault. So there's a lot of fakery here, not a huge surprise. But what about some of the technical aspects of the heist scenes with like the lasers and everything? Were those even a little bit accurate? I asked about that. And we'll hear what Jesse had to say after a quick break. A quick reminder to anybody who wants as much trivia as humanly possible about our founding documents and everything civics-wise, you should subscribe to our newsletter, Extra Credit. It's bi-weekly, and you can sign up at civics101podcast.org. And we're back. This is Civics 101. I'm Nick Capodice. And I'm Jackie Fulton. And on this special bonus episode of Civics at the Movies, we're diving into national treasure. Thus, the National Archives has taken every possible precaution for the safekeeping of these historic documents. Here, the documents are being lowered by scissor jacks into the vault. That clip describing the security features at the archives, it's kind of dull compared to the iconic scene in National Treasure. That one where they have the montage of security features. When the declaration is on display, okay, it is surrounded by guards and video monitors and little families from Iowa and little kids on their eighth grade field trip. And beneath an inch of bulletproof glass is an army of sensors and heat monitors that will go off if someone gets too close with a high fever. Now, when it's not... How much of that is actually realistic? Well, we don't really like to talk about security a lot just because we obviously don't want somebody to try to steal the Declaration of Independence. But a lot of that security, and I, I guess I can talk from back in 2003, 2004 when the movie was set, um, none of that was in place. We didn't have security features that if somebody like breathed heavily on the case that I would, sirens would go off. But we do have uh, security features within them, but mainly to detect the air quality. Air isn't the only thing that's carefully monitored. We, for the lights, we keep the lights very low in the rotunda because one of the, I guess, 
enemies of documents is light, and so light damage. The three great charters are carefully preserved for future generations. To protect them from harmful dust and chemicals in the air, each parchment sheet has been separately sealed within a glass and bronze case containing only the inert gas, helium, and a proper amount of moisture. To shield them from damaging light rays, special yellow filters have been installed in the glass covers of the shrine. And that's one of the reasons that the decoration is faded as it is, because it was stored in lighting for almost its entire life before it came to the National Archives. So we keep it in very low, um, low light levels. And also we keep them in cases that are sealed because we don't let them be exposed to oxygen because oxygen, you know, could, de you know, degrade the uh, organic material like parchment. Parchment is, you know, organic material and if it's, it can react with oxygen and lead to, you know, further deterioration. So we keep very close monitoring on the levels within the cases. So the threat isn't really a thief or even a chemical warfare attack to erode our democracy word by word. It's natural elements and time. Now, when it's not on display, it is lowered into a four-foot-thick, concrete, steel-plated vault that happens to be equipped with a electronic combination lock and biometric access denial systems. You know, Thomas said it's... I watched it again, and just looking at the security features, it made me laugh because we definitely did not have that sort of security back then. If you look, you could use your fingerprints to get around the building, and they had retractable, you know, keyboards to put in your passwords. And in 2004, we had none of that. Even Jesse has to admit, though, the National Treasure is a standout when it comes to big Hollywood productions. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of other blockbuster movies about the National Archives. <laughs> Personally, when I went to the National Archives for the first time, I totally thought about National Treasure. And when I made my way up the line to the Declaration of Independence, I had the same reaction that many people apparently have. It appears in the movie that it's very legible. But once you go look at it, a lot of visitors are surprised how faded and worn it really is. I'm talking almost completely faded. Have you seen it, Nick? I have seen it. I went to the National Archives in seventh grade. And at first I thought it was maybe the glass hadn't been cleaned in a while. But I couldn't make out a single word. I thought someone like a hundred years ago had accidentally just left it in the sun. It's really what I thought. And this was due to a number of factors. Um, like I said, it was extensive handling and travel during the Revolutionary War. And then some of those engravings that you mentioned, we thought that maybe they were done by pressing uh, paper on top of the decoration. So it might have removed some of the ink then. And then it was displayed for decades in unregulated environmental conditions before coming to the National Archives. So you really can make out John Hancock's signature. That's one of the few things you can really see on the document. So all that thick glass, all those precautions that the archive undergoes is to preserve what little we have left of the original thing. Yeah, but there's something else. Another mystery about the declaration I hadn't seen or heard about. We're not sure when it came, but if you go to actually look at the Declaration of Independence itself, there is a handprint on the lower left-hand corner. And 
We don't know when it came there, where it came from, who put it there. And obviously we can't do fingerprint analysis because it probably was put there way before fingerprinting was invented. But yeah, a lot of people do comment on that handprint, which seems to be more and more, you can see it even better now than you could, I feel, like 10 years ago. But maybe it's just because I noticed it right away. Tell me it's Nick Cage's handprint or the Illuminati. Or like Dan Brown. That's a big no. That movie was a huge success. I remember watching it in high school and stuff. And um, it, I think it generated a lot more interest than had previously been out there about the National Archives and visiting. Did you guys see like a bump in tourism and stuff? Oh, for sure. And that movie was a huge boon for us. We, I think our museum attendance jumped 40% after that movie came out. It was largely because people were interested um, to find out if there was really a treasure map on the back of the Declaration of Independence. So we do credit that movie. Um, we actually had a filming of it before um, it was released in our theater. And then we've also had filming since then. So the film is very big for us. I think it's a requirement that if you work for the National Archives, you have to watch it. So people really honestly thought that there could be a treasure map on the back of it? I don't think people knew what was on the back of it. And one of the reasons is before, I guess, it went off display in 2003, it was in a case that was never opened since 1952 when it came. So it's not regularly shown. It was just a huge mystery. And so I think there's a lot of interest thinking people, what is really on the back of it? Now, I couldn't help but notice that Jesse didn't exactly deny the existence of a map on the back of the Declaration of Independence. Nah, there's no map. Oh, well. Jesse shared with me a little peccadillo, a tiny annoyance of the archivists of the United States. Gates manages to sneak this rolled up parchment out of the building by pretending it's a facsimile that he purchased in our shop for $35. Are you trying to steal that? Oh, um... It's $35. For this? Yeah. It's a lot. Hey, I don't make the prices. So. And we just have to point out that he was completely overcharged. You can buy a full-size reproduction for just $12 in our museum or on an online shop. So $35 was, you could buy two for that price for how much they actually cost. Especially back then with inflation. Yeah, I don't even know. I think probably, they probably always cost $12. We don't change the price of anything. There is a treasure map on the back of the Declaration of Independence. The map is invisible. with it, considering that the premise of the movie is that one of our most priceless documents gets stolen from us. We still love it. So I've just checked, and National Treasure is indeed available to stream or rent on a bunch of different services. So Jackie, you're going to watch it again? Uh, yes. I'm already popping popcorn. My popcorn's in the microwave. Yes. 
And if you have a favorite movie that depicts some aspect of our government, for good or ill, drop us a line, civics101 at nhpr.org. And we might just feature your pick on an upcoming edition of Civics in the Movies. All right, have a good one. Woohoo! This episode of Civics 101 was produced by Jackie Fulton and edited by Rebecca Lavoie, with help from Christina Phillips and Hannah McCarthy. Music in this episode by Arthur Benson, Kikoro, Jerry Lacey, and Joseph Haydn. Rebecca Lavoie is our executive producer, and her favorite Nicolas Cage movie is Valley Girl. Mine's Moonstruck, but everybody knows that. To learn more about the show and to sign up for our newsletter, head on over to civics101podcast.org. We got a whole bunch of stuff there. Civics 101 is a production of NHPR, New Hampshire Public Radio.